0: Friends, today we conclude the series Creed, and we have learned over the past few weeks that the Creed is a statement of belief which governs our behavior, it governs our life, it governs our breathing, it governs how we interact with each other and with God. And today we conclude the series with these last two lines in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Amen. So, hear now these words from the New Testament letter to the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in the 35th verse, and I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version, Updated Edition. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 35. Go ahead and pull out your electronic devices or Bibles so that you might follow along and take some notes um, should the Spirit lead you today. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? Fool, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And as for what you sow, you do not sow the body that is to be. But a bare seed, perhaps of wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. Not all flesh is alike, but there is one flesh for humans, another for animals, another for birds, And another for fish. There are both heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. But the glory of the heavenly is one thing. And that of the earthly is another. There is one glory of the sun. And another glory of the moon. And another glory of the stars. Indeed, star differs from star in glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable, what is raised is imperishable. What is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a physical body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a physical body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, that is Christ, became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the physical and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, made of dust. The second man is from heaven. As one of dust, so are those who are of the dust. And as one of heaven, so are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the one of dust, we will also bear the image of the one of heaven. What I am saying, brothers and sisters, is this. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Look, I will tell you a mystery. We will not all die, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For this perishable body must put on imperishability, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When this perishable body puts on Imperishability and this mortal body puts on immortality, then the saying that is written in the prophet Isaiah will be fulfilled. Death has been swallowed up in victory. <laughs> Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling. In the work of the Lord, because you know that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Anointing fall fresh on me. Holy Ghost, have your way. Hide this, your servant, behind that old rugged cross so that everything that is said and everything that is heard comes straight from you, O oh God. This is your servant's prayer. In the name of Jesus the Christ, we pray. Amen. The resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. If someone were writing this today, they might include the word hope in this line. The resurrection of the body and the life everlasting are the hope that we have that Jesus has made a way for us. The resurrection of the body and the life everlasting are words that we say over and over and over again, but maybe we don't quite understand them. Today, we talk about the thing that most people don't want to talk about, mostly because they have so many questions. Today, we talk about death. I'm not sure why we avoid the subject so much, because as the people of God, we are taught that death is not the end for us. In fact, Pastor Adam Hamilton writes in his book, Creed, we survive death because Jesus conquered death. And yet, we allow death to rule our life. The resurrection of Jesus Christ allows Christians to live. The resurrection allows Christians to be free of the bondage of the fear of death. It allows us to live expectantly and not fearfully. In order to really understand this, we have to go up a couple of lines in the Apostles' Creed and we go to the section on Jesus which says, And in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried... He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven as seated at the right hand of the Father and will come again to judge the living and the dead. The Gospels are not the first New Testament books to be written chronologically. The Gospels come much later in their writing in the years of time than the letters of Paul do. And when Paul is writing 1 Corinthians, lots of people have questions about what happened to this Jesus. When we read the letters of Paul, we learn that a lot of these people have firsthand knowledge of Jesus. They were around for the resurrection, and they think that Jesus is coming back right now. And so they're starting to have a bit of a theological crisis. What is happening to Jesus? What is happening to this faith? If I'm supposed to follow this Jesus and he said that he's coming back again, where is he? So Paul has to respond to these questions about Jesus. Miss Ruby, you know, when people aren't sure about things, sometimes they start rumors, right? And the people who lived during the time of Paul, they were starting to say, well, maybe the disciples made up that whole resurrection thing. Maybe he's still in that tomb. You know how we do. I heard Mary, you know, I heard Mary, you know, she's just a little bit, hmm. And so maybe she didn't see what she thought she saw. Well, you know, those disciples are in hiding. What are they scared for? Maybe they're not telling the truth. So here we are with the Corinthians and Paul is starting to tell the stories of Jesus and he's having to answer to these rumors that maybe Jesus is not who Jesus said Jesus is and maybe that tomb is not empty and now what? Paul says that indeed Jesus was crucified, and our response is to be crucified with Christ. Paul said that indeed Jesus died, and our response is to die to self and to live with Christ. Paul says indeed Jesus was buried, some of you went and visited, and we shall be buried also. Then he said, he descended to the dead. Now, this phrase has gotten a lot of discussion in Christian theology, Dr. Bob, and a lot of discussion through the years. And in the traditional version, some of us even skip that line, he descended to the dead. But in my estimation, we we need to focus on that line because we can't get to resurrection unless Jesus descends to the dead. You have to understand that before Jesus, there was a holding place for the saints. It it was called Hades. Hades. And and people who died either went to the good part of Hades or they went to the bad part of Hades. And the people of God, they knew that one day that this Messiah would come and would set them free from this holding place. So we believe that when Jesus died, he descended to the dead and set those folks free to live with Christ indeed. He took the gates of hell and broke them down. He took the keys to the gates so that the gates shall never prevail again. On the third day Jesus rose again, he ascended into heaven, sit at the right hand of the Father, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. In the meantime, what do we do? We don't know when Christ will return. That's part of why Paul is indeed talking so much about resurrection here. We don't know when Jesus will come again. So in the meantime, we have to learn to live with Jesus right here and right now. We have to learn to live free and abundant lives that are not shackled by heavy burdens and lives that are not held hostage by grief and by pain. We have to learn how to live this abundant life that Christ has promised on this side of the Jordan. What we believe about death informs how we live. If we think that death is the end of the story, that death is the last word, that there's this life and then it's over, then we'll do some stuff that maybe we shouldn't do. We'll live recklessly we'll live by the yolo principle you only live once and yet as the people of god we are taught that we live forever with god That death is simply a physical separation for a finite amount of time, and then we are reunited with the saints and face-to-face with God. Now, if I expect to live with God, I might make some different decisions in life. What do you think? (laughs) Maybe I'm not living my life in reckless abandon. Maybe I'm thinking about how I treat other people. Maybe I'm thinking about how I'm living in community. Maybe I'm thinking about how I talk to people and walk with people. How I treat people. How I love people. If we truly believe in the resurrection then we truly believe that we are living for something else. So our decisions are not terminal on this earth, but are eternal in the kingdom of God. The Corinthians had a lot of questions about resurrection and specifically the resurrection of the body. We, we, we can get resurrection, right? Jesus got up on the third day. He got out the tomb. The stone was rolled away. Mary was like, where is my rabbi? He's like, I'm right here, but don't touch me because I haven't been to see the father yet. And, and then she goes and gets the disciples. They look in and they're like, well, maybe we should have listened to him. Maybe we should have listened to her. He's not in there. And then we celebrate resurrection, and every Easter we celebrate Resurrection Sunday. We celebrate that Christ lived, Christ died, Christ lives again, and will come again to rescue us from this earth. But the resurrection of the body... Bodies break down, bodies give out, bodies hurt, bodies fail us, bodies get sick, bodies get tired. I don't know about you, but this, this body, this physical body here has, has failed me in some significant ways and I'm not sure I want to be trapped in it for eternity. So God, how are you going to resurrect the body? And Paul says, you have a physical body and you have a spiritual body. And it is the spiritual body that will be resurrected, not the physical one. So you don't have to worry about what level of decay your bones are in when they are buried or when they are cremated. All you need to worry about is what level of decay your soul is in so that when Jesus comes, you can be resurrected by the almighty God. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. Have you ever planted anything? Y'all know I'm not great with the plants. Carol and the Altar Guild, they don't let me get near the penance. That's not my gift. We talked just a couple weeks ago that everybody has a gift, right? That one's not mine. But I do know that if you have a seed and you put it in the soil, if you tend to it and you tend to the soil, the food around it, if you water it, then the seed will indeed break apart and crack open it will disintegrate it will die so that the plant might bust through and the flowers might bloom and it is literally transformed from a seed to a flower and in the meantime it has died What needs to crack open in your life? What needs to die so that you can have a breakthrough? See, we spend so much time trying to hold stuff together that is not supposed to be held together. We spend so much time gluing pieces together that are supposed to stay broken. We spend so much time trying to fix things that weren't ours to have in the first place. We spend so much time on what is dead and mourning what is dead. instead of looking forward to what is alive. What you sow is but a bare seed. What you sow is not what you intend to reap. What you sow must be nurtured, but can't be kept the same if it's going to realize the fullness of abundant life in Jesus Christ. This is what drives me crazy about churches. We want everything to stay the same. Did did, did you hear the word of the Lord today? If you try to keep everything the same, you will get the same result. If you try to keep a seed a seed, you will never see the flowers. See, you remember at the beginning of the year we, we gave you seed packets and I get to see online some of your plants growing and keep those pictures coming. But if you had kept the seed in the packet, and some of us have, <laughs> there has been no transformation. Transformation There is no life. If we are resurrection people, then some things have to die so that we can live. So again. What needs to break open in your life? What needs to die? What needs to change and be transformed so that we can remember that we are resurrection people? Not all flesh is alike. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. The glory of one is one thing, and the glory of another is another thing. The issue with resurrection is that it's real easy to get afraid of it and to stay exactly where you are. It's it's real easy to get so bogged down in death that we forget that death does not have the last word, that Christ has conquered death, that there is no sting in death, that there is no victory in death, that there is no glory in death if we have to stay exactly where we are and exactly how we are. And if we can't understand that the things of humans are different than the things of God, then we will never walk in amazing grace with God. Because we're just settling. We're just settling for the lowest common denominator. Have you seen people who just settle for the worst of the worst? Well, that's just, that's just what I got. That's just what they had. That's just what they gave me. You are a child of the Most High King. You were created for abundant life. You were not created to settle for the worst. You were created to receive God's best. Stop settling. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. That seed has a lifespan. The flower that comes from the seed has a lifespan. It shall die. Even if you allow it transformation, even if it becomes the most beautiful flower that you have ever seen, it shall die so that something new can live. So why are you getting in God's way? Why are you trying to keep that little flower alive when God wants to give you a bush that is alive? And then God wants to give you a tree that is alive. And when you prove that you can take care of that tree, God gives you a grove that is alive. Stop! get out of God's way God keeps trying to give you more God keeps trying to get you to next and you are stuck in death oh somebody hear me this morning so resurrection is not just a one time thing y'all Because every time there's new life, there's death. So that means there has to be resurrection before we get to new life. And 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 before, and before, and before resurrection keeps on happening. If we'll get out of God's way. And the best part of the story is that we don't have to do the work of resurrection. Resurrection is not our work. Resurrection is God's work. We do the work of sowing. You sow the seed, okay? You plant the seed. You water the seed. But it is God's work to do the breaking open of the seed. Because if you break open the seed. The flower is never going to get here. You hear me this morning? If you try to do the process. Of the dying. And the resurrecting. You will never get to the new life. Because that's not your job. Your job is to sow. Plant. Till. Till water, care for. God does the breaking open. God does the transforming. God does the dying. And God gives the living. Sometimes we're just trying to do too much. We're trying to force something to happen when all we can do is wait for God. Did, did you hear the scripture this morning? It says, It is sown in dishonor, but it is raised in glory. <laughs> See, even if I didn't get it right, if I just put the seed in the pot and in some soil, God is gonna do some stuff with it. Even if I don't understand how to make it grow, somebody else understands how to make it grow. And God does the rest. God gives the increase. If it is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. If it is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. If it is sown in a physical body. It is raised in a spiritual body. Paul says what I'm saying brothers and sisters is this. (laughs) Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does the perishable inherit The imperishable. (laughs) What does that mean, pastor? This body can't inherit what is to come. This body can't inherit heaven. This body can't inherit all of the promises of God. Can't handle it. So while you're upset because you think that God is not hearing you, remember that maybe you are not ready to receive what God wants to give you. I, I, want, I want to make sure you hear that. There are some things that God wants to give us that we have to be ready to receive, Some of you are about to get some job promotions. But if those promotions had come three, four, five years ago, you would not have been ready to do the job. And then you would have been set back and you could not receive the blessing that God was giving you with the promotion. We're begging God for stuff we're not ready for. some of us want God to give us a group of people to influence but we can't even pray for five minutes some of us want to be in charge of a committee or a bible study or some community group but we won't even go to bible study or the committee or the community group Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Look, I will tell you a mystery. Hear that. You can't know all the things of God. I know it's really annoying, but you cannot know all the things of God. That's why it is so important to trust God in all things. Because this perishable body can't know what God's eternity can hold for us. That's why it's important to walk together. That's why it's important to talk together. Thank you, Miss Ruby. That's why it's important to pray together. That's why it's important to live together and worship together and sing together and breathe together. Because one thing might be a mystery to you, but God might be revealing it to somebody else. But look, I tell you a mystery. We will not all die. The original Greek says, fall asleep but we will all be changed. But pastor, I don't like change. Well, then you don't wanna grow in God. If you are a resistor of change, it means that you are resisting what God has for you next so either we get comfortable with change that's what this says or we get comfortable being left behind And what does God say about what's behind? Forget what is behind. And press on. Hear the good news. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Where, oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. So if you want to stay where you are, if you want to keep doing what you're doing, if you want to resist the movement of God in your life, understand that that is sin. And sin will keep you from the life everlasting. Sin will keep you from resurrection. Sin will keep you bound. Sin will keep you fearful. Sin will keep you trapped. Sin will keep you broken. Sin will keep you sick. Sin will keep you separated from the love of God in Christ Jesus. But thanks be to God. Who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So that we might be steadfast immovable, always excelling in the work of the Lord. Not just being busy, but in the work of the Lord. Because you know that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. One of the high privileges of pastoral ministry Is communing with people in the best of times and in the worst of times. At the beginning of life and at the end of life. And I've sat with countless people who were awaiting their own death, some of them terrified. Some quiet, some with lots of questions, and some rejoicing. Many of you will remember Bill Brewer, who was our florist for a long time and a member of the midweek Bible study and a member of the church. And when Bill was passing on, they called me to his house and we had Holy Communion just a few hours before he died. And I will never forget, (laughs) Bill just kept saying over and over again Pastor, I'm so excited. I've lived for this, I can't wait to see Jesus. And over and over again, he just kept saying, I can't wait to see Jesus. I can't wait to see Jesus. I can't wait to see Jesus. And you could see him just following the angels around his room. That's why the creed matters. That's why we've spent all this time dissecting what we believe and why we say the Apostles Creed each and every week. Because when the rubber hits the road, (laughs) when things get really rough, or when you are about to meet Jesus, you will be sure about what is to come. You will not be afraid, you will not be wondering, you will not be distraught because you don't want to leave your loved ones for everlasting life, but indeed you will be able to say, I'm so excited for this. I can't wait to see Jesus. I live my life so that I can see Jesus. We learn this creed. We say this creed. We live this creed so that when it's time to cross gives us hope, and it gives us joy, and when others die, we don't feel left behind, yet we live eager to meet them in everlasting life. What needs to break open in your life? What needs to die? So that we can experience the power of resurrection in our lives right here and right now. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit we pray, amen.